We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Power Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's your producer, Chris Krueger. And this is your Week Eight preview: the Green Bay Packers against the Buffalo Bills. Your time: eight twenty p.m. Eastern Standard. The place: Orchard Park, New York. The weather looks like it's going to be a balmy 60, what, 60-some-odd degrees, Chris? A little bit of cloud cover, but no precipitation. Amazing for an end-of-October night game. Hey, elite fall weather. Elite fall weather. The line, the Bills are currently 10.5-point favorites. The crew for the night, Ron Torbert, who's actually in the direct middle of the pack, for all NFL officials in terms of penalty yardage doled out this season. On the call, we get Sunday Night Football's finest, Mike Tirico, Melissa Stark, and everybody's favorite, Chris Collinsworth. Boom! Was it because of the slide-in? <laughs> it's the slide-in. People is, don't like the slide-in. The slide-in is obnoxious, but it's so much worse than that. Chris, you know, we we last week we kind of opened up one of the shows talking about our podcast proclivities, things we're into, shows we listen to. Anything better? Bill Burr, Paul Verzi. I, I I could do a podcast for fifteen to twenty minutes a week called Anything Worse, and the whole theme of it would just be. Is there anything worse than Chris Collinsworth? I'd have a hard time. It'd have to be 15 to 20. That's all I could do. I don't mind the guy. Of course you don't, because you're also a bad person. You also no, I... have an unsufferable personality and stupid hair. Like, of course you don't mind him. 
No, I don't. I don't mind him at all. I mean, I. I think he said something last week that that had. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was for whatever he said of somebody like hitting a hole. It was the the whole sentence was done in like a sexual tone. Like he's doing Tracy Morgan voice. Like <laughs> what? All he's gonna do is pull up his what? Pull up his shirt and slap his belly. Like, come on. He might. It would be more entertaining than anything else he's said over the course of the last five football seasons. I just, I, I don't like him. And I don't like the fact that he, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about a guy. Insert obscure fact no one gives you shit about here. Like, what are you talking about, Chris Collins? Get off the screen. So is he's like the Pierre Maguire? Kind of. Where he would just, like... Pierre Maguire. For He's those, from Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Yeah, you know, for, they have a mail service of only 15 people. Yeah, for <laughs> those that don't watch the NHL, Pierre Maguire was on NBC, and he knew where they played, any player played junior hockey, <laughs> and would tell you about it to start every sentence. It was obnoxious. Nobody cares that <clears throat> he played for the Regina Pats. <laughs> Nobody cares that you started with the Vancouver Giants. No one gives a shit. Well, and he had random facts about their hometown, too. Yeah. That was another hilarious one. Oh, uh, I forget um, I forget where Sidney Crosby's from. Cole Harbor. That's where it is. Cole Harbor, also home to Nathan McKinnon. I think Pierre Maguire is the reason I know that. <laughs> and I will thank Pierre Maguire for that. If I am ever out for trivia night, and that is the grand question to win the, all of the money in the bar. But if not, he's just a horse's ass for continuing to drill that kind of stuff into people's heads. The same way Chris Collinsworth is for the way he approaches the game of uh, commentating NFL football. Injuries to keep an eye on this week. For the Green Bay Packers, they've got some guys, right? So you've got Jake Hansen. He's Aaron, out. Aaron didn't practice today. Yeah, I mean. But I don't know what what that can is. Can you do me a favor? Can you pull up the official injury report and throw it over here on my screen? So Jake Hansen, their backup center, he's already out on IR. So is Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb was a guy that, like, is there because Aaron Rodgers pounded the table for him. And just was like, hey, you need to go get me my guy. So that's a thing. He's out as Chris Paul. See, this is what I love. This thanks, is thanks for the goog. This is from three hours ago. David Bakhtiari limited. He's he's going to be questionable all week with a knee. He missed last week because they let him practice too much. How how crazy is that? Your best offensive lineman can't practice too much, or else he won't make the game. I'm supposed to be afraid of that guy playing Von Miller. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, wide receiver Ellen Lazar, one of the few wide receivers on this team with any experience, he missed practice with a shoulder injury that people saw him leaving the stadium against Washington last week in a sling, which doesn't make it sound good. Elton Jenkins, one of their best interior linemen with a knee injury, he did not participate. They've got a concussion for Rashawn Gary, probably the most impactful linebacker. He didn't participate. It, it's going to be a long week for the Green Bay injury front. For the Buffalo Bills, Spencer Brown, questionable with a foot injury. If you scroll down there, I want to see if he's actually on there with the designation. All right, Spencer Brown did not participate. Uh, Taiwan Jones didn't participate. We've got Kumaro limited with an ankle. Uh, 
limited for Mitch Morris, Jordan Phillips, and Jordan Poyer, but let's face it, all of those guys played in the Chiefs game. Vet, ret, Morris, Phillips, and Poyer vet rest. Yeah, they're going to play. Uh, I think the interesting thing was Trey White. Like they did, The team could have let Green Bay sweat it out, and they chose not to. Today, they just came out and said, first practice of the week. You know, people started tweeting out video of practice where Trey White's out of the red non-contact jersey. And then the team scrambled to be like, whoa, 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 he is not playing. Now, some people looked at that and said, well, so see, see, he's not ready and we should still be concerned. Chris, we're talking about a team that sat Jordan Poyer out of that Steelers game because they just didn't think (laughs) that the Steelers presented a credible threat. And they didn't. So, like, I don't know. Does that maybe underscore how this coaching staff thinks of Green Bay right now? Probably. I mean, they've they've lost three in a row. They're not very good. Rogers. <clears throat> I forget who I, I think it was, I was listening to the herd this week, and I forget who he had on as a guest, but it might have been Trent Dilford, who was like. You know, because if anybody knows the nuances of quarterback in the NFL, it's Super Bowl winner Trent Dilfer. Yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's very good. He's a, No, he is a good speaker of football. He's just not. No, no, he's a very good analyst. Oh, no, he is. He's just not a good quarterback. Yeah, yeah. But I think he had said that Aaron Rodgers is not fit for this wide receiver group that they have. Oh, no, there's problems, and we're going to talk about all of them. But before we get into dissect, see, now, Chris, I guess it's one of those things, like, we reached out last minute to the guys over at Pack-A-Day Podcast. Yeah, that's a you thing. I would have reached out to them a week ago. But, but the reality is I didn't want to, and then at the last minute I was like, maybe I should. Here's the reason why, Chris. First of all, I'm busy. I'm moving. I don't think about this stuff. I'm what else? I'm packing. I'm getting... Lo- but what else? Also, what else? What? What else is there? Yeah, yeah, you're unpacking. But why why else? I now I, oh you you're drawing a blank? Yeah. Because you don't like how I reach out to people to ask them oh, to yeah, come no, on. No, no, I think that you ask questions like it, it's it's like in Kenny but when Kenny Powers tells that chick, he goes, Honey, I love you, but you you buy clothes like a dickhead? Yeah. Chris, I love you, but I think you approach other human beings like a dickhead. <laughs> I think you have all of the personality of like a praying mantis. Like you have the, <laughs> you have the personal skill, like interpersonal skills of well, some kind of insect. It, it so I usually take run point on that. Yeah, because you want to write 15 paragraph <laughs> invites for people to come on. But this is what I like. When I like we do the AFC's roundup. Now you know that some of those teams I love to just smash. And then we get guests on and we have actual conversations about the state of their teams. Because I feel like at a certain point, I feel bad talking a certain level of shit about their team to their faces. This week, and just everything that's going on with the Green Bay Packers, I'm I'm going to have to do that this week. And I didn't want to do that to someone else's face who I don't know and have never had on this show before. It's just better this way. Before we dive into all the X's and the O's and the dissection of our upcoming opponent, we got to talk about this tailgate because, Chris, it might arguably be the biggest tailgate of the season for us. And if you're going to have that, you got to do it right, correct? Yeah, we have all day. We're going to be joining Iman uh, from Q42 Barbecue out in the mud lot at 9 a.m. 
9.30, give or take. Are you going to be riding with me, or are you catching a noob? I will ride with you like I have been right. doing the entire time Absolutely. I have gone to Bill's games. Of course, because, and this is what I love about Chris, guys. doesn't matter what time of day. If it's game day and Chris is going, he's in. You tell him 5, he'll be there at 4.45. Yeah, if you're on time, you're late. <laughs> I'm always there 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes before. To the frustration of my wife, which is hilarious, which is almost its own gift in and of itself. We're going to be churning out, like, we got to get there early so we can start the prep work. We're starting brisket, barbecue burn ends. I had no idea brisket could be done in less than a day. Yeah, you're about to see how masters get the job done. We're my, talking about email, not you. <laughs> my my you and the word master should not you and masters should not be used in the same sentence unless it's about above ground swimming pools. Hey, I know I now, now thanks you, to my new kayak pool, I know everything there is to know about above ground swimming pools. So you're right, I am a master. So <laughs> I'm gonna pour chlorine in your coffee when you're not looking. Brisket burn ends, brisket, my famous tri-tip, which uh, an Air Force pilot gave to me, but now it's mine. I've stolen it and made it my own, and no one will ever know. With with grilled garlic and herb crostini, Chris is going to have a dip. We're going to have barbecue chicken. We're going to have... Just gloss over it. Oh, he's having a dip. I am making a beer cheddar sausage dip. Chris's dips are gourmet. Like, if I have to say, everyone who stops by our tailgate is always like, they'll taste whatever dip you bring. You don't even have to say it's yours. Strangers will come over and stick a chip in it and all of a sudden just be like, who made this? Like, they just saw the sun for the first time in eight days. Like, the Steelers game, that dip was just like a bullshit. Jess had made a bunch of chili like a couple days before. So I threw that in with Velveeta and some onions and peppers and... You season it's it just right. A bullshit dip, like this. This one for the Packers. Like I'm gonna make a roux for it. Some white cheddar, some yellow cheddar, some Italian sausage, crushed red peppers, the, onions. The, the, this is the guy, right? Like he 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 puts his. I'll say this. He puts as much preparation into his dips as he does his podcast wardrobe. He's got his hair done. He's wearing Chelsea boots. It's a whole fucking thing over here right now. He's got his feet up on his desk. Like, like <laughs> he's got, like, Gordon Gecko. he's got his feet up on his desk right now, and I hate it. Do you also want to come smell me? I've got cologne on. Of course you do. You have cologne on at 7.30 at night to record a podcast in the I've been wearing it house. all day. I've been up since noon. It's you haven't left the house. Why are you wearing cologne? It's just habit. <laughs> habit. You got... You got to stay in tune with your sexiness. <laughs> so Iman's going to be churning out some of his world-famous barbecue wings. There's going to be all kinds of stuff. Flying. You know, Mark's going to show up with fast food. I already saw him tweeting about KFC. It's a, it's a whole mess. It's It might be the most aggressive. He better bring like a 30-pack of Schmidt. It might be the most aggressive menu we've ever put together for a tailgate. Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder of bootleg football are going to be there. Along with a dozen other, maybe more, listeners, fans of the show, just degenerates who like drinking with us. I, it's going to be a crowd. And also, I have to say this, shout out to Montucky, who went from being just the official, unofficial beer of Montana that Kyle Washington of Nevada sent us as a gag. You know, we do our beer swaps and he sends us a 
He's going to be there on Sunday. I know. I can't wait to. I can't wait to party with this guy in person, and I can't wait to give him just hand him a care package of beer. Be like, this is yours. Take it home with you. So he sends us this beer as a gag. They've gone from being something we drank once in a lark to the official, official beer of the Rock Pile Report podcast. Chris, it was officially cemented as of earlier today. Did you think that when we started this ridiculous podcast in your kitchen in South Buffalo... Yeah, well, I still don't believe you. <laughs> that, that, ...that we would ever have an official beer sponsor and that it would be a company that just gets us? No. Not at all. I mean, it wasn't going to be Moosehead. They would never... No, of course not. You'd tweet at them. Dude, I, I emailed them. I barraged them with things. Nothing. Montucky, I was like, this is a... Because this is the thing. I reached out to him because I go, this is a crushable beer that I've come to appreciate. Like, I actually enjoy Montucky. I'm not just drinking it because, oh, they sent you stuff. No, we would be drinking this even if they hadn't. They've got a ton of awesome swag. You see their merch? Mm-hmm. Their merch is ridiculous. Like, they said it's like the pit vipers that you wouldn't take off for a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in my car. I, I will have them Sunday. If it... I love it. And then something that resonates, I think, with every Bills fan, they donate 8% of their annual earnings to local and regional charities, which is something every Bills fan kind of understands, right? Yep. We've all done it. We all still do it. So I don't. I just don't think we could have asked for a better company to call, not just a sponsor, but a legitimate partner to be like, hey, guys, buy the beer, submit your receipts. We'll just Venmo it to you. We'll Venmo you back. It'll be fine. Here's how you do it. Cover your tailgates. Cover your podcast. We'll go this season. It'll be a lot of fun. Hey, here's some swag. Give away what you want to give away. Keep what you want to keep. Just keep up the good work. Chris, guys like us. <laughs> yeah, we don't deserve this. <laughs> I mean, I might. You definitely don't. Well, hey, we raise a glass. Cheers to Annie and Caitlin from Montucky. Thank you guys for everything. I saw Caitlin put out on her Instagram, you could get a Montucky beer can Halloween costume. What? A giant can. <laughs> we gotta, we, we got to get in touch with them about that for next year. This was a huge missed opportunity. I could have worn that to the game. Yeah, well, I just saw it today in her in her story on Instagram. Could have been on. <laughs> can you imagine that though? We TMZ giant can of Montucky cold snacks fighting people in section two hundred. That'll <laughs> the happen. Bills game on Sunday night football. That'll on happen. National TV. No, listen, Chris. How many fighting in the stands? That's for plebes. I paid too much to go to this game. Yeah. <laughs> 5330 Big Tree Road, Orchard Park, New York. Map quest it, or just go to our Twitter account on game day over at Rockpile Report to see the map of exactly where we'll be setting up shop for the day and the password to get free entry into the lot. The mud lot's gotten so popular that the guy started asking people for a $5 donation to walk in. Not so much because he expects you to pay it, but because he's trying to cut down on people who just walk in and then steal things and leave. Do you know the password? We should tell them what they should make. The Last pa- time it was England. Yeah. Because you, of Terry White and his son Oliver. You know what it should be uh, for Sunday with EJ and Brett coming? What is it? Give, leg? Nope. What? Woodenville. Woodenville? <laughs> well, 
follow us on Twitter at Rockpile Report. We're going to have some giveaways. i got some other stuff going on for some Montucky swag leading up to Sunday's game. It's going to be a blast. Keep an eye for the Montucky flag flying in the mud lot. That's how you'll find us. God, this is going to be a great game. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing you all out there. So let's dig into this. Chris, do you remember when this game, at the beginning of the season, before a single snap of football had been played, it was being talked about like one of the marquee matchups of the Bills' 2022 season? Yeah. That was one. Of, well, it was one of the games that I circled on the calendar that I want to go to with my work schedule being the way it is. I wanted to come to this so I could say that I have seen Aaron Rodgers play football before. That's true. You didn't get to see him the last time he was here. You didn't have your tickets yet. It was just me, Dan, and Potter. Yep. All right. So yeah, no, I've seen. I've got. I got to. I not only got to see Aaron Rodgers here. I got to see Aaron Rodgers get strip sacked by Mario Williams right in front of me, <laughs> right in the end zone in front of our seats. Strip sacked at the end of a game in order to ice a victory. That realistically, we stole that game from him. Yeah. What was that, the, the Bakari Rambo game? Yeah, Bakari Rambo. I think he had two <laughs> interceptions. Let's. Uh, they drew first blood. The I think when it comes to Bills Packers, the, uh, the did you know Chris Hogan played lacrosse stat that you'll see all week? What's that? Green Bay's never won a game in Buffalo. Oh, yeah, no, that's going to get a lot of run. Ever. They've never it, won here. As it should, though. Well, it's, ama- well, it's, ama- it, it's amazing that they that's never happened considering that they went from Brett Favre immediately to Aaron Rodgers. But so, see, so from so 90, it's funny. 92 to now, they've never been able to win here. So Aaron Quinn of Cover One put out a tweet this week asking about, like, hey, 13 years, no... Green Bay wins, like 13 games, no Green Bay wins in Buffalo. What's a memory you all have of that span? And I can picture one exact play. I tweeted about it. There was a play. I remember because I was watching it on TV. It's 2006. November. I just remember that, like, the game was all bills. It was 10-0 going into halftime. There's less than a minute left. Green Bay has the ball inside of our 10. And they, like, Brett Favre has the ball. And you say, okay, they're going to try to get on the board. They're going to try to score some points here. They end up, like, they're in the shotgun. And I just remember this because I'll never forget the look of, like, frozen horror on Brett Favre's face. Because they're in the shotgun. There's maybe 10 seconds left. And Brett Favre, you know, he's calling out like, hey, hi, hi, and then he's calling out protection shifts and he's doing his thing. He's pointing at different guys. He's doing this stuff. And he has his head turned to the left towards like the sideline camera and they snap the ball, but he's not ready for it. (laughs) He didn't call for the snap. He was barking out of protection and the ball hits him directly in the face mask. (laughs) It, he can't get his hands up fast enough, and Aaron Schobel just comes screaming in and scoops the ball up off the ground. And that's how the half ends. The Bills just kneel it out and go to the locker room up 10 nothing. And in my head, I go, there's no way the Packers can come back from that. Like, you can come back from a bad series. When you hit your quarterback in the face with the ball causing a fumble, that team's not winning that football game. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, 
<laughs> so, yeah, it's been a long time. And now we're talking about Sunday Night Football in front of the entire country. And the first time fans will have been in the stands for a home Sunday Night Football game since that Patriots massacre back in 2007 that I'm happy to say I didn't watch. I just listened to my father watch it through the floor, which I, I almost feel like like it was probably best for me and everybody else involved. This time around, though, it's the Bills who look like they're poised to just lay an absolute waxing on their opponent. That's how good Buffalo is right now. The Packers are double-digit underdogs against the Bills, the biggest underdogs of Rodgers' career. And this is now the second time like the second time a team has gone up against Buffalo in Buffalo and approached a franchise record for being a Vegas underdog. Do, do, do That's how good this team is right now. Do we go hard on the uh, the spread here for the Pills? We take that. Well, we can talk about that at the end of the show when it comes to predictions. Why don't you percolate on that for a while? Just let that one marinate. It's not hard to see why we're such bad. I mean, the line jumped two points after that loss. After the Packers, it was eight points a week ago. The, the Packers lost the way they lost to the Commanders and Taylor Heineke, and it jumped two points. Two whole points in a single day. And I get it. Losses to New, the New Jersey Jets. The New Jer- Basically, they, they got beat by the state of New Jersey and then Virginia. That sucks, doesn't it? Yeah, that does suck. <laughs> it doesn't help. The, like, I don't know. If you're a fan watching that team, like those are mediocre as hell football teams. Fan morale hasn't been this low since the 80s and early 90s before Favre, when they were just a long shot to even have postseason hopes. Meanwhile, you look at the Bills, they're on top of their conference and looking to maintain momentum off a huge win. Uh, over Kansas City on the road as they hit the second leg of the 2022 schedule and they look like the dominant team that they were billed as in the preseason. These quarterbacks first faced off in 2018 when Josh Allen was a rookie and he got shut out while Rodgers left that game, 22-0, talking about how much more he thought the offense could have scored and how many plays he left on the table. So it's kind of funny to me This time around, the shoe feels very much on the other foot. And right now, it's Aaron Rodgers who's going to have to work really, really hard not to end up getting beat so badly that PETA puts out a petition to keep abuse like that from being aired on live TV ever again. And that's where our dissection of this whole thing starts. The quarterback position. If you're talking about the Green Bay offense... The straw that stirs the drink is supposed to be one of the NFL's highest-paid quarterbacks, isn't it? Mm-hmm. No Adams, no MVS, and also no MVP to be found anywhere for this franchise. Rodgers has been kind of a no-show. Their own fan base says so. And they would know better than anybody, right? Because they've been watching this guy be epic for a decade. So if they're willing to turn on him, that should tell you... A lot of what you need to know. Uh, a girl by the name of Perry over at the Pack a Day podcast, our Blue Wire uh, podcast contributor, uh, Green Bay Packers podcast contributor, she went out of her way to point out how Rodgers has no accountability for his own actions. None. 
He goes to the podium after the game and speaks publicly about other people. He's like Leon. Do you remember Leon from those Budweiser commercials? Mm-hmm. Like, when I specifically remember one. They're in the locker room afterwards, and a reporter's asking him, Leon, tough loss today. He goes, yeah, man. He goes, I'm, I'm going to really need some help out there. And they were like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah. He goes, we, he goes, my teammates, they just, they just ain't doing it. And they go, so the loss today had nothing to do with your three fumbles. And he goes, yeah, well, if one of my lazy teammates had jumped on the ball, that wouldn't have happened, would it? <laughs> like, that's who Aaron Rodgers has become. He goes to the podium after a game and says things like, uh, the people around me are making too many errors. Uh, the game plans are, quote, unquote, too complicated. Which his own head coach had to turn around and go, I, I don't know what Aaron means by that. <laughs> I don't know what he means. Which, more on that in a little bit, because I think I have an idea. But he never addresses his own, like, when the Bills lose, what does Josh Allen do? It's his fault. He goes to the podium and goes, I, 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 I fucked this up. You've seen the look on Allen's face when he loses. He hates it. Mm-hmm. When Aaron Rodgers loses, he no longer hates it. He just deflects. It's everybody else's fault. Just yesterday, Rodgers was on Pat McAfee and made headlines when he said, it's not just one play here or there. If you have 10 plays a game where you're making a mistake, it's 20% of the time. I think guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. And maybe guys who aren't playing, we give them a chance. Who, who, the, who the fuck are you talking about, Aaron? Chris, who is he talking about? In the notes to the show, I put a link to our lads. <coughs> the Green Bay depth chart. Yeah, Chris is shaking his head because I just coughed in the microphone. <coughs> no, I don't see it. Okay. I'm going to pull this up here. Look at the practice squad team. On this. Uh, wide receiver Travis Fulgham. I think the guy had three, what, a cup of coffee with the Eagles. Like a fun three weeks of fantasy football. Two years ago, uh, a couple guys named Kawan Baker and Juwan Winfrey, who, if I didn't see them on OurLads.com, I would assume that they were fake player names created by Madden for a draft when you're playing franchise mode and you've made it too many seasons in for real prospects to be loaded. Well, at least they got Danny Etling on the... Oh, good, they've got Danny Etling. At <laughs> least he's there. I, what, what are we talking about? It's one thing to say that about practice squad and bench players when you're a fan I still remember people walking around Buffalo with those stupid tool time t-shirts do you remember that I wanted one of course you did everybody thought Jeff tool was worth a damn as a practice squad quarterback because they were like well he's he's Schrodinger's quarterback we don't know that he sucks yet so obviously we love him because our current quarterback sucks and but then the he threw a we, pick six against Kansas City and changed our minds. Not just a pick six, a 101-yard pick six. Egregious. <laughs> he had Sammy Watkins on a slant, and I'll never, or not Sammy, uh, Stevie Johnson <laughs> on a slant in the end zone, I wide watched, open. I watched that game. I watched Kansas City run it down the field towards me, and I remember the whole time thinking, what, how, why, what did I do to deserve this? Like, who does, like... <sighs> It's a moonshot, right? Anybody off the practice squad coming on and making your team different, that's a moonshot. Unless you're Duke Williams. <laughs> but fans love underdogs. 
That's why we watch football. That's why losing fans of losing teams still watch their team. It's because everybody loves an underdog. And that's fine if you're a fan. It's another thing when you're an NFL quarterback who has a real understanding of how difficult it is to make something of yourself at the NFL level. You just sound like a crazy person. And then, one of my favorite moments, against the Washington football team, he underthrows Romeo Dobbs and then comes over to the sideline and is seen, caught on. he's caught on camera, yelling at his head coach, asking, what are we doing? <laughs> Chris, I don't know if, Lef- did LeFleur underthrow that ball? No, but what if it is a shit play call? You need to get you need to get some kind of help. Maybe open another Montucky. Water. Dude, you're coughing up a storm. I'm dying. Because my children bring home every illness under the sun <clears throat> from daycare. It's it's ridiculous. I've been sick for two years. Nah, you know what I, I had post nasal drip for a year and a half. I hope mm. I hope you're wife put like ricin in your coffee so i told her i go listen i go honey if you're slowly poisoning me just just get it over with hurry i don't want to have to go i don't have to want to get up i don't want to have to get up for work at 6 30 in the morning anymore so if you're poisoning me just do the damn thing rip the bandit off this i've had a good run but so when you think about that chris like the coach can't throw the ball for the quarterback so i guess the question is like coaching the, not even a question coaching this guy must be a fucking nightmare I feel like his progression over the years has been kind of like Hulk Hogan. He comes in, he's the star, he's on top, everybody loves him. And then over the course of enough time, he stops getting the attention that he wants. He's now no longer on top, so he just goes full heel. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a thing. Now you look at him, he's got this hillbilly haircut and a man bun. He looks like a homeless version of Terry Silver from Karate Kid. We get it, dude. You're into psychedelics and you're a free spirit now. That was cool when you were winning football games. Like when you went off into the woods and did a bunch of ayahuasca and found yourself and then took your team to the, what, like the divisional round of the playoffs? Yeah, and lost at home. Great, wonderful. Great. Now you just look like a douche. And it's worth noting that this isn't the first time that we've seen this. And this is what I was going to say earlier. When you wonder what these comments are doing, like where they're geared towards, six years ago, we heard and saw this same type of shit from Aaron Rodgers. Except th- that time it was coming as shots, not just at his teammates, but also head coach Mike McCarthy. He's a boob. Saying things like, players need to have a healthy fear of losing their jobs around here, and talking about the team lacked energy. That year, they went to a conference title game, but it wasn't long before all that negativity brought a like a brought the team to this crossroads of it was Rodgers or McCarthy, and the team sided with talent the way most franchises do. Just ask Bruce Arians. <laughs> Bruce Arians knows what it's like to be on the wrong end of a forty-plus-year-old quarterback who forces the team into a pissing contest between head coach and quarterback. What he's doing right now, what he's saying, the way he's acting, has the same feel to it. But at the same time, given the team's trajectory in youth, not only is the same reascension to greatness kind of an outlier, maybe seems unrealistic, but also at the same time, I, I don't know, 
It's a younger team. Whether it's his age, his growing unlikability, the fact that they've got his replacement waiting in the wings, kind of like Aaron Rodgers had all those years ago. Like Aaron Rodgers was for Brett Favre. Like, he should know that dynamic, right? Yeah. If I make myself a turd for long enough, they will get rid of me because they did it to my predecessor. Like, it's poetry, isn't it? It is. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like he has to start winning football games or else this, like, I don't think he wins that head-to-head battle with a head coach again. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so I think that on Sunday, when we look at the team we're going to see, it's going to be a much more desperate version of Aaron Rodgers. Because he, I think deep down he knows I need to start winning football games if I want that cachet back. Otherwise, I could be out of here. <clears throat> the problem is, is he's not getting a lot of help. These running games, like, you look at a team that was built with no no wide receivers of note. They were they paid Aaron Jones. What is he making? $12 million a year now, I think? Something like that. <clears throat> he's making good, mediocre wide receiver money. Decent money for a running back. Then they drafted A.J. Dillon. This was a team that was supposed to thrive off the run. The problem is, is that they don't use it. They throw the ball in short yardage situations to try to trick the defense instead of just executing a successful rush, which is crazy because those two running backs are phenomenal. Now, the question is, is that a head coach call or is that Aaron Rodgers changing the play at the line of scrimmage? I don't know. Does does he have that ability? Yes. Obviously he does. What, are you going to tell Aaron Rodgers he can't audible? Well, no. When I say ability, I mean, yeah, he can do it, but is he allowed to? I think we know who's... Or does he just sandbag his own coach? And and, that's my point. And be like, oh, you think this play works? Yeah. I'm going to throw it. I'm going to throw this to my third option. Well, and that's why I just laid out everything that I did. Because we don't know. They're just like, look, oh, you called a running play on third and four? Watch this. And then he throws to some fourth-round draft pick at wide receiver, and the guy doesn't make a play, and he throws a fit. Well, yeah, because you're not dealing with NFL pros. You don't have Jordy Nelson anymore. Uh, Randall Cobb is no longer in his prime. Who else did they have over the years? James Jones? Greg Jennings. Like, these You don't have them. You've got a bunch of kids. 
Jones is one, Aaron Jones is one of the few weapons that the Packers have that are reliable, but he's not involved enough to really change the face of games. In the offseason, Rodgers made a claim that both Dylan and Jones could be 50 catchbacks. They've tried running two-back sets with tight ends, and it's been miserable. 37% success rate, just four yards per play when they put both running backs on the field. Dylan has watched his involvement fall off a cliff. Against Washington, he only saw 31% of the snaps in the game. You drafted that guy in the third round, the same way we took Zach Moss. We just benched Zach Moss. They're basically benching him, Dylan, without benching him, and yet Dylan has been way more productive in the NFL. So you took another piece of what everyone looked at and said, well, this will be good for the Packers. You're now taking that off the field. And then you look at the wide receiver room. Just the youth has hurt their production. Amari Rodgers, I, I look at him like Isaiah McKenzie, right? Ton of mistakes, a ton of missteps, <clears throat> muff punts, drop balls, poorly run routes that his quarterback has called him out on. Except he doesn't have a Stephon Diggs. <laughs> he doesn't have a Gabe Davis to minimize his own mistakes. Amari Rodgers was supposed to be something for this football team, and he hasn't been. He has just 28 yards on the season, two first downs, after everyone spent the summer talking about what a weapon he was going to be. Romeo Dobbs, he was supposed to be the deep threat. He was supposed to be the reason that they could let MVS go sign a crazy contract with the Chiefs. Except he struggles with concentration catches, which is what you should expect from a rookie. He almost cost them the game against New England. He had a catch in the end zone. It hits his hands. It hits his chest. Chris, as a wide receiver in the NFL, you have to catch that, right? Yeah. Drop. Ridiculous drop. His third of the season, and in total, he's got five drops, which lead the team. You throw in Sammy Watkins, who, shocker, has missed four games already this season. Their wide receiver group is atrocious. Rodgers can deride all these young players in offense for not clicking, but he did nothing to help them acclimate. Look, all offseason, he, didn't he skip OTAs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Didn't he miss a lot of training camp because he skipped OTAs? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. He was off on some vision quest in the mountains. Well, these kids are in here trying to get up to speed with the playbook. How to be a Green Bay Packer. What is the NFL? And I think Rodgers bears some of the blame for that. Look at Josh Allen and the work that he's done to acclimate to the new faces this team has added over the years. Roger, he's actively refused to be that guy, even though he used to be it. Rodgers used to be the guy. Who did all, he went the extra mile for his football team. Somewhere along the way, he became a player who feels entitled to just show up and win games. And almost puts it on the franchise to be like, you need to give me a team that I can go out there and win you a football game with. He leoned himself. From the way he openly disparages his coach's preparations, feels comfortable deriding his just his teammates who are young and kind of need some confidence, to the way he just won't accept any responsibility for the failure. Meanwhile, the Packers' offense was dangerous in years past because they ran a ton of RPO concepts. Most of them developed behind the line of scrimmage, but were meant for players more dangerous with the ball in their hands. Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, A.J. Dillon... But they've run those plays, and it's to guys no one as a Bills fan will even recognize. Uh, Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Robert Tanyan. 
The team has a negative EPA on targets beyond the line of scrimmage. And everyone will say, well, the RPO game stinks. Why does that matter? It matters because Rodgers is leading the NFL in passes behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> this is what this offense was supposed to be, and you suck at it with these players because you don't get them and they don't get you. No defensive coordinator in the world is scared of the talent you're putting on the field. We don't respect you deep, so we've shrunk the field. Chris, is there a worse team to be shrinking the field and trying to play short area football against than the Buffalo Bills? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. But, uh, I don't know. Uh, It just boggles me, right? It just boggles me. Ask Patrick Mahomes what happens when the Bills make you dink and dunk your way down the field. You're going to make mistakes, even if you're one of the best quarterbacks in football. And then you look at, it's kind of the same, right? Because here you're looking at a coach, a quarterback who can't be coached. Now you're on the defensive side of things, the problems all stem from just coaching that can't be reined in by the talent on the team. Uh, to quote Ross Ulam from Blue Wire's Pack-A-Day podcast, Direct quote, you can talk me into reasons that the offense could get back to slightly above league average levels of execution. I'm not buying that the defense can get there and you'll never talk me into it. That's a bold statement for a fan to make about their team, right? Yeah. Below league average execution and he doesn't think they can get any better. So you start questioning, why Why hasn't the Packers defense... Cause Chris, didn't they, what, they lost a field goal festival to the San Francisco 49ers in the playoffs, didn't they? Yeah. Their defense did its job. And in years past, it's been their defense that got them to the playoffs. Like, obviously, their offense played a role, but their defense was stout. Well, part of it is that their defensive personnel isn't meshing with the play calling, and their play caller has an ego. The Ringer, back on October 12th, had a piece written by former podcaster turned pro Ben Solak. Do you remember Ben Solak? The Solak and Kiss show? Solak's been on this show. Mm Mm-hmm. Dude, first of all, it's crazy how many people have come on this show who now hold high-ranking media positions. Yeah. Not even high-ranking, but just like they've made it. They've done something with it. Him, Kissed. uh, Schofield. Well, Schofield was big. Travis Wingfield. And he got bigger. Uh, yeah, exactly. They all blow up in this industry. Like, it's just crazy to me. But he wrote a piece about the state of the Packers in the disarray. And on defense, he pointed out that these guys that they have, Rashawn Gary, Jair Alexander, Darnell Savage, Eric Stokes, they're not washed up old players or names that got brought in after flaming out somewhere else. They were handpicked by this organization. And they've done very well. They've got expensive players like Devondre Campbell and Preston Smith who were signed because they were proved that they were worth a big contract. And they're not washed because they've all been parts of division-winning playoff-run King defense. But the 2022 stats would make you believe otherwise. So the finger clearly gets pointed at the second-year defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. And here's the thing about Joe Barry. He's never been successful. Not ever. Anywhere. If you hear a Packers fan tell it, he's just here because he had a cup of coffee with Brandon Staley, who, as you might remember, was hired as a head coach after one season as the L.A. Rams defensive coordinator. 
because everyone believed he had this phenomenal system on defense. Everyone said that 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 Brandon Staley, he's got something. Chris, you could see why the Chargers would want that, right? Yep. Well, now his coaching tree, the Brandon Staley coaching tree, is all of a sudden, all of these guys, names that nobody would recognize, have all been hired elsewhere for highly ranking defensive positions. And they're all falling on their faces. (laughs) It makes you wonder if his whole... And then you look at the Chargers this year and you go, was everything Staley did kind of smoke and mirrors? Because their defense sure as hell isn't good. Yeah. How many games have they given up more than 20 points? It's a lot of them. Yeah. Some of it's the division they play in, but it's it's a lot of them. Barry's passive defensive scheme has almost no subterfuge or deception to it. Like Back when the Packers were great, they were playing aggressive man coverage and attacking front seven. They, they, they would pull out twists and stunts, and they would send blitzes. <clears throat> they would send linebacker blitzes. They would blitz from the secondary. That's all over. Now they play a very passive zone defense with two. They play two high safety shells on 75% of their defensive plays, which is the third highest rate in the NFL, which has proven problematic for Buffalo over the last few seasons. Like, isn't that like that's been the move everybody does, isn't it, Chris? Mm-hmm. Two high safeties. We're playing good quarterback. Just put the safeties back there and make them dink and dunk. They present light boxes, which means less than seven box defenders on 65% of their snaps, which is eighth in the league. They're a 3-4 defense that has a lot of sub packages, a lot like Buffalo, and they play a soft zone coverage with the belief that they can keep plays in front of them and then rally to the ball and limit yards after the catch. But the problem is, is that like they're tr- they're basically trying to be a mirror image of what Buffalo has been since 2017. They just really suck at it because their cornerbacks aren't built for that. Their cornerbacks are man cover guys. Now you're late. Like some of them, Jair Alexander's been around for a while. Eric Stokes has a phenomenal rookie year, and now you say, "Hey rookie, play more zone." You know that thing you did really well last year playing man coverage. Play zone. It'll be fine. You'll do the same. Like it's just been a disaster. They're the league's number one passing defense in terms of yardage, but they're also first in yard in attempts against, meaning that most teams opt not to throw it on on the Packers. (laughs) They're also the 27th ranked rush defense, and they've allowed more than 125 yards rushing in every single game this year except for their win over Tampa. That's it. Chris, doesn't that sound a lot like the Chiefs game we just watched, where they emptied out the box and we just said, fine, Singletary, get him. <laughs> yeah. Go out there. Get get seven yards per carry, Singletary. That'll be fine. You want to give us the game? We will take four to six yards of the clip with our running back then. Keep giving us light boxes. We just showed you we can fine. Fine. We'll we'll take the game. Three yards, four yards, six yards, a quarterback run for twelve yards. We will we'll win the game that way if that's how you want to make us do it. And even with that though. The whole caveat, the reason you're doing that is because you're trying to stop big plays. You're trying to stop the opponent's best wide receiver. So why is the wide receiver always feasting? Week one, Justin Jefferson, more than 180 yards and two touchdowns. That was the game Jair Alexander said, I wanted to shadow Jefferson and play man defense, and the coaches told me no. (laughs) Week three, the, the Buccaneers had no Evans and no Godwin the Packers let stud wide receiver Russell Gage go 12 of 13 for 87 in a tutty. 
week six with a backup quarterback in and a, basically a team in a downward spiral of its own. Washington beat, not only beat them, but Terry McLaurin goes off for 73 and a touchdown. Like That's a guy you should be putting a body on at all times, maybe double covering, and they can't do it. Structurally, they're doing the things they're designed to do. Forcing intermediate passing and kind of limiting the 30-yard-plus passing plays. But they've given up more yards after the catch than they have air yards, which means that your defense isn't doing the job. The ball is getting completed in front of you, and people are just, like, the whole structure of your defense is pointless. They give up a 134.3 passer rating to quarterbacks on plays when there's one crossing route. That's ridiculous. That, that's a statistic that... So, in one sense, you're the number one pass defense. But if I throw one crossing route at you, you guys fall apart? Oh, I know why. Because you're used to playing man coverage. You know what you're not used to doing? is playing zone where your safeties are communicating constantly about, hey, if this guy breaks this way, he's going to cut through that zone. And if he comes out, whose responsibility is it to pick him up? The linebackers don't know enough to turn around and try to communicate with the safeties about it. So what you have is this broken thing. It's like he's trying to. It's like their defensive coordinator is trying to play fucking Madden. Well, I'm going to pick a play, and the player's just going to go do it. No, it takes human communication, and these guys aren't used to playing that style of football. These man corners are talented, but they don't know how to communicate zone obligations, and you're watching them get beat for yards after the catch with regularity. And in what might be one of the more absurd statistical outliers I've ever seen, the Packers have one of the best third-down conversion percentages against in the NFL. But they've also faced the second-fewest third-down attempts of any team in football, which means, like, when you look at it, they are one of the worst teams in football against first- and second-down plays. <laughs> the success rate against them is its overwhelming. Like... I, it's because they will not blitz. They do not bring numbers, and they play a lot of light boxes. They spread out and think that, hey, we have numbers, and our defensive backs are good, so if we just flood the field with them, they'll beat you. Like, you're not going to win games like that in the NFL, are you, Chris? No. And when they do decide to turn up the heat and blitz, they only send five. They don't. There is no Packers defensive back with more than four pass rushes all season which means they don't send guys from the secondary. So if you're a quarterback, you go up to the line of scrimmage and you take a look at their front seven and you go, okay, that guy looks like he's going to come in a rush. I'll slide my protection. And all I got to do is, especially if you're Josh Allen, all I got to do is make that guy miss. There's no one else coming. (laughs) There's nothing else I have to be afraid of because of their light boxes. It's just, it's it's a mess. I, I, I don't know what else to call it. I mean, you you look at Eric Stokes, your best cornerback, Jair Alexander, gets beat on a 37-yard touchdown last week to a quarterback who closed his eyes. His eyes were closed when he threw the ball. It was a prayer. Your cornerback, too, is allowing more than 87% of the passes to be th- that were thrown at him to be caught. Uh, no interceptions, no pass breakups on the season. Stokes, he's regressing. When you're putting this all into the context of the mac- matchup with Buffalo... It's almost absurd to hear that earlier this week, just a day or two ago, Aaron Rodgers said this. I'm not worried about this squad. In fact, this might be the best thing for us uh, this week. You know, nobody's going to give us a chance. Going to Buffalo on Sunday night football, 
A chance to get exposed. Shoot. Might be the best thing for us. It's Aaron Rodgers post game from the Packers and Commanders game. <laughs> the best? Chris, I argue it's probably this. The worst! Singletary has shown he can exploit teams that clear out the box. If you're not going to shadow our best wide receiver with your best cornerback, Allen and Dorsey have proven that they can get to matchups they like. If you don't rotate your coverages pre-snap or do anything in terms of design to try and slow down Allen's processing, you need to be ready to create pressure, something the Packers don't do with any regularity because they only have five guys coming at the line of scrimmage. Chris, how pissed off would you be hearing that your football team has personnel have proven they can be effective and then your coaching staff thinks that they know better? Yeah, they'd be, I'd be irritated. Wouldn't you find it frustrating to know that you could be a formidable unit again? But what it would take on all sides of the ball for your football team is for every single person, from head coach to defensive coordinator to the quarterback, to swallow their ego and work together. Like, what if, the, if that was the stumbling block for the Buffalo Bills right now? Wouldn't you be livid? Yeah. It must really suck. Kind of like the dynamic between you and me doing this. <laughs> That's true. Except if I get you fired, well, first of all, there's no one to fire you. But if I got you fired, who's going to do it? Me? Yeah. How do you get somebody fired at podcasting? Do you call Rogan? <laughs> call Rogan? Call Rogan and be like, listen, St. Rogies, uh, I, I, I have a problem. Uh, my producer, he sucks. I need you to put the kibosh on him. Like, is that it? Is that how this works? Yeah. Is he like the Pope of yeah. podcasting? Yeah. Ro <laughs> Joe Rogan's the Pope of podcasting. I, I, in fact, I have to send an emissary and ask for permission. Yeah, yeah. And then he just flies to Buffalo and just leg kicks me in the stomach. And then there's white smoke. Yeah. There's white smoke, and I announce that, uh, who, who's the producer? I bring in uh, Sports Rock. So we can come in here and... Yeah, yeah, Ryan Sullivan. Ryan Sullivan, so he can inundate us all with terrible food takes. Hey, at least someone who's more of a peasant than I am. Like, yeah. he has... You know what's funny? We talk to his brother every week at the tailgates. Oh, yeah? Ryan Sullivan's... Sports Rock on Twitter from Cover One. Sports Rock 2. His brother's a Patriots fan who's at every single Bills home game. Interesting. Yeah, and guess what? He hates Ryan's taste just as much as we do. It's awesome. We, 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 he and I get together and we dunk all over that guy, and he doesn't even know it. It's amazing. I love it. But what I do know is that I'm really glad that we as fans don't have to live in the place they do, and I love the fact that they got to come into our barn and try to steal a win from us on national TV. I'm sure they'll be highly motivated. I just, like I said, if it takes a come to Jesus for them to, like, they're going to have to change their philosophies they're going to have to change their entire game plans on both sides of the football. And then also, they have to rely on young, unproven talent to then adapt to a new change after the original the original game plan didn't work. Chris, I don't know that that all works, does it? I don't think it does. That's like a movie. Again, though, everyone loves an underdog story. That brings us to this week's Keys to Victory. Why don't wow, you that's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. The first key is just Frazier and his cover one defense. 
right? Nickel success versus the run. The Packers are probably going to come into this game and say to themselves, listen, we've watched, what, two teams now come into Orchard Park and get set on fire. <laughs> because they tried to they tried to run the football. It didn't. Like, they tried to, they, they had turnovers, and they tried to throw the ball downfield, and it didn't go well. We think Aaron Jones is better than Najee Harris. We think Aaron Jones is on par with... Uh, whatever the hell Derrick Henry's doing this season. They're going to attempt to win at the line of scrimmage and get themselves into manageable passing situations for third down. We're also getting their most impactful players like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon more heavily involved. At least they should if they're a smart coaching staff. Considering the talent disparity on offense absolutely favors Buffalo, and they have to do something to tip the scales back in their own favor. That's how they won games earlier this season, playing ball control offense, limiting defensive exposure. To set us up for a solid game, you got to shut that down. But given how much nickel the Bills play, like I think you're going to see Frazier roll out a lot of cover one, a lot of single high safety. They're going to dare Romeo Dobbs to beat them over the top and just clog up everything in the middle. Knowing that the Packers throw more passes behind the line of scrimmage than any other football team, they're going to say, listen, you're not getting yards after the catch on us. Nobody has. You're not going to be the first team to do it. We need to corral that. And if you do it, Chris, our nickel defense has proven out that they, how many times do we have to stomp a mud hole in a team that tries to play that way? Happens a lot. So if the Packers have to reinvent themselves, great, wonderful. If you play the type of football you've been playing, I think our nickel defense and cover one packages is more than enough to snuff a lot of what they want to do on offense out. You also have to attack their shuffled offensive line. One of the themes of our blowout wins has been us manhandling other teams at the, at the line of scrimmage. And we've done it without blitzing a ton. This is one of those games where I expect Frazier to maybe take a few chances but a lot of that's going to be because we own the line of scrimmage. It's true. The Packers have only given up, I think, 10 sacks on the season. And a lot of that's been part of Rodgers just understanding when to get rid of the football. He's an old man, Chris. He goes, I'm not taking that hit. <laughs> Fuck this. I'll airmail it out of bounds and just live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing hero ball. Remember how many sacks Josh Allen ate his first year? Just because yeah. he was too dumb to let a play go. Yeah, that hero ball. Well, Aaron Rodgers has no hero ball left in him. He's like, listen, I'm not taking that hit. Fuck you, my knees. My knees already hurt. I'm 41 or 42. Well, how old is he? 38. 30. He's 38 and he looks like that. He's my age. Holy shit. That guy looks like he could be my dad. And he's a year older than me. Oh, my God. That actually makes this whole thing more pathetic. Yeah, 38. They allowed one pressure to the Commanders. Just one quarterback pressure, no sacks, and they lost that game. Then you look at their line, though, and they're really unsettled. Elton Jenkins is on the injury report with a knee injury. He's played right tackle and left guard in the last two weeks. Royce Newman was terrible last year. Gave up six sacks and 32 pressures. He's on pace to beat that already. He's already played tackle and guard, and he's given up four sacks. They can't bench Newman because their swing center and guard Jake Hansen is on IR. David Bakhtiari's health is up in the air because they... Chris, if you practice a guy too much and that costs him a start, his knee probably isn't good, is it? Yeah, he should retire. 
you should probably not be playing football. You certainly shouldn't be going up against Von Miller or or Greg Rousseau. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one of them. Like, that's a recipe for disaster for you. They did well against a pretty good Washington front, but that defensive line isn't our defensive line. They don't have the makeup we do, which is going to prevent them from helping each other when we get to those nickel packages. You legitimately have to, have to if it's four on five, our four against their five, they have to double two people. Which means no one's looking at that A-gap blitz that Frazier loves. He loves sending either Matt Milano or Trey or Tremaine Edmonds just right down Main Street on a quarterback. And if you're talking about a quarterback who is, we're going to talk about in our AFC's roundup this week, snap to pressure rate right now in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is in the NFL basement. 2.2 seconds snap to pressure. So they're already not doing a good job of protecting him. He's just smart about getting rid of the football. This defensive line with this linebacking core and the way Frazier likes to blitz, this could be a mess. And it it could also make running the ball more difficult for them. And I I just, I I think that that's how you win, is you get aggressive and you start to send some blitzers. Maybe a nickel blitz now and again. We watched in that Miami game, they called a couple successful safety blitzes. I want to see more of that. Because I think the more you do that, the more you rattle Rodgers, you throw this whole game off kilter. (laughs) Because that's all they have. All they have is Rodgers. On the other side of the ball for offense, early down success, just limit them fucking mistakes. It's simple. The Packers are one of the, I think they're the 32nd ranked team in success rate on first down in the NFL. But that's it. On first down, when all manner of play call, it could be a pass, it could be a run, they overcommit to playing a soft box and teams stuff the ball down their throat with the running backs. Singletary is going to have to be efficient like he was in that Kansas City game. He's going to have to do that. And Josh should be selective on when he checks out of that into pass looks and forces... Just Listen, untrust that your running backs can get this done. There will be opportunities there. A part of me wonders, Chris... Ahead of the trade deadline, is this game not kind of a barometer for where our... Like, you're going up against one of the worst run-defending teams schematically in football. Mm -hmm. They're going to have no reason to come out of that proclivity because you're going up against one of the most aggressive passing offenses in football. They're not going to... What, what are they going to suddenly go heavy (laughs) and load up the box against the Buffalo Bills? They could... They could, and that would be a that would be a ridiculous mistake given the uh, just given the state of their secondary. So, with that said, if this running back stable can't get things done in this game, maybe the Bills do go out. You know, there's been rumblings about running backs out there available for trade, the Josh Jacobs of the world, and right now it's like a fantasy trade for the Raiders. They mm-hmm. could get the biggest return possible for Josh Jacobs right now. What five touchdowns in the last two games? I guess I didn't see. I didn't see what they did against uh, Houston last week. I think he had a two touchdown day. So four touchdowns, three, three touchdowns, or whatever it is, he's playing like his hair's on fire. That's a good time to offload a guy if you think that you're a team that's not going to make the playoffs. There's going to be moves out there and available. This is a chance for every running back on this roster to showcase. This is what I have. This is what I have to offer you, and I can execute in the moment when your team needs me when the lights are the brightest. 
I'm looking forward to watching our rushing attack in particular because I think that they have a lot to prove. And I think that for their own jobs, I think it'll be interesting to see how, if they don't perform well, how the team responds and if they make a move. And also, no more fucking RPO fumbles this week. All right, guys, take that play, throw it right down the well along with my kid and Chris's hair products. (laughs) You know what Brett did a video on this week? What? The shovel pass inside the five. Shovel passes. I... Shovel passes to tight ends, great. Shovel passes to wide receivers, generally speaking, don't end well. They just don't. I don't know what it is. Like, what do you think it is? Why, I have no why do idea. they go sideways more often than not? Chiefs, Chief, I watched, I think Sunday night, I watched Brett's video on that, and the Chiefs are the only team that have any kind of success that's it with it every team thinks that they're like well we'll bangles, just call a shovel pass bangles <laughs> being the worst <laughs> shovel passes do not work so let's rip that page out of the playbook and burn it in effigy that's all we gotta do right the bills excel according to the analytics at getting early momentum let's let's do it again Let's basically take the Chiefs game script, roll it back, get some momentum, put the Packers on their heels. Because you know what? Aaron Rodgers ain't Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> He's not coming in to save them the way Mahomes did in that game. That game could have easily, if Patrick Mahomes wasn't great, it could have been three, it could have been three to ten, uh, seven to ten going into halftime, and it could have turned into a blowout in the second half. Patrick Mahomes is very good. And also, please let the defensive coordinator take another week before he decides to grow a set. The last one is Dorsey on crossing routes and just taking advantage of this secondary. Do you remember the Patriots game in Foxborough where the Bills wrestled the division back from the New England Patriots? I remember it because yeah. you bought into McKenzie full time. You're like, this oh, that is was it. my guy. Yeah, I was drinking the Kool-Aid and I'm I'm off that bandwagon. He's at the bottom of the well, too. Him, Jack, mm-hmm. <laughs> the creepy, <laughs> the shovel pass—like it's all—it's all there at the bottom of the well. Well, the thing is, New England just either couldn't or refused to do anything about Buffalo repeatedly running the same sale concept over and over and over again, getting McKenzie open on a crossing route for sizable games every single time. This could be one of those games where if the Bills are creative and can just get the pre-snap alignment manipulation part of these concepts down, they could murder these guys. I mean, the the Packers are statistically ranked number one against the pass, but they've also showed their ass for three straight weeks. And here's the quarterbacks. Chris, some of these guys aren't even on fantasy rosters, much less starting. Uh, Justin Fields, Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. And you lost to three of those fucking guys. I like it. You're an embarrassment. If Dorsey and Allen play this right, they could feast against this secondary. Here's how you do it. Shakir? Yes, Shakir. McKenzie? Go sit in the fucking corner. Go sit down. You put Shakir in the slot. Work him in combination with Knox. It's going to give you options because you're going to have the clear out going up the seam. Bring him on a crosser. Those safeties are going to have to commit to something. And 
like you watch the way they've struggled over the last month of football with that, it's not going to go well. You, you just guys with their speed and size advantages can do some damage, but then the best part is what it does on the outside. Wherever the fuck Stokes is, it doesn't matter what's happening. Go after Stokes. Once you get that down, go find, because if you can move, like, this is what I'm looking at. Terrible season for him. No pass breakups. No, what he's allowing almost a perfect passer rating against. Uh, See if you can set up routes to pull the safeties away from Stokes' side of the field. Hey, we're going to run a flood concept where we all just leak across the field with a single go route on the edge. Oh, that's Stokes? Well, that that leaves him one-on-one with no help over the top against Diggs or Davis. Do you like that matchup, Chris, given what I've I've just explained to you about Stokes? Sure, give it to me. (laughs) It could absolutely favor Buffalo if we're talking about Diggs and Davis getting shots on him. Like... It's almost like the Levi Wallace thing, where it's like, look, he's not terrible, but right now he's playing bad football, and ah, can he keep pace with a guy with that foot speed or that size or that route running? I don't know, but I think we test him. I think that's how you win the game, is just finding Stokes. (sighs) So predictions, Chris, before we let our listeners go. Number one pass defense in the NFL I think the Bills are going to score at least one 40-yard touchdown through the air. I can get behind that. Okay. Singletary. Pull up your, uh, since you're the gambling guy here, pull up Singletary rushing under or over. What do we got? Do we like that? Is that spicy enough? I would probably take the over. I don't know. What do you think it'll be set at? It's going to take me. I'm going to have to log in and all that nonsense. So I'll vamp. I love what it on, you, Le- I love you, on Legion of Skanks when they're just like, oh, Lewis went to go get some more blow, or he went to go talk to his 11-year-old kid. Nah, it's not blow. They're like, oh, he's like, oh, can I get a coffee? And then he jogs away. And they're just like, well, we'll vamp while he's getting caught. So while you're doing that. What do you think it's set at? Well, you look at what he did in that Kansas City game. I mean, l- let's pull it up. Do, 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 he had do. what? Like over, he didn't have over 100 yards, did he? I don't think he did. No, he didn't have 100 yards, but he was highly efficient. When you looked at the runs that he did have, he ripped off chunks. His longest was only 11. Or no, his longest was, I think, 14. But he had 85 yards. So what that tells you is he came close on 17 attempts, 85 yards. Okay, so you're in the ballpark of 5 to 6 yards per carry. I think he ended up somewhere around 4 or something. Long run of 14, but he was getting six. He was getting seven when you handed him the football. And the thing is that late in the game, they had to go away from that because they didn't have the lead. Devin Singletary over 53 and a half. Okay. So in a game against the Chiefs, who have a better quarterback and then who had the lead and forced the Bills to go to more of a pass-heavy quarterback run style of offense... He still got 85 yards. I think you hammer the over on that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. We're not going to find anything in this game we disagree on, are we? Unlikely. Gabe, uh, Gabe Davis, 57 and a half. I'd probably go over. I'd go over on that. Stefan Diggs, 78 and a half. Gabe I'd, Davis had more than that in one catch. Exactly. <laughs> Stefan Diggs, I would go over. What's Diggs' yards? 78 and a half. 
See, if there's anything, I would say that they'll slide all the protection his way. But then again, I don't know. Their defensive coordinator seems kind of dumb. Aaron Rodgers over one and a half passing touchdowns. Ooh. Josh Allen is also. Josh Allen's over one and a half is minus 215. Yes, <laughs> minus 215. And Josh Allen's <laughs> passing yards is 275 and a half to Aaron Rodgers, 246 and a half. Okay, well, here's a question. 275. In a game against the quote-unquote number one pass defense, does Josh Allen go over 275? Yeah. Or does this team lean on its rush and win the game that way? No, no, no. Josh Allen's going to throw the ball for 300 yards. Is 300 the benchmark? I would put it All over right, 300. All right, that's a Seagram's bet. You and me, we're going to bet a Seagram's on this. All right, you don't, you don't ah, I'm think... i we worked our way to it. You don't think he's <laughs> going to throw over 300 yards? I'm willing to take the under... Because I think that this is a game where we can control it with our running backs. You're dumb. I'm telling you, I don't think he's going to need the desperation throws down the stretch that he did against the Chiefs. You're dumb. All right. I'm dumb. We'll see who's drinking it. We'll see who's getting one step closer to diabetes next week. (laughs) Folks, Sunday Night Football. It's going to be a lot of fun being there. I've never been to a home Sunday Night Football game. Never. Yeah, this will be fun. I'm excited. Hopefully you guys come out to see us. 5330 Big Tree Road, The Mud Lot. Again, at Rock Pile Report, if you want either the location of the tailgate, keep an eye out for the Montucky flag. There'll be plenty of it on ice waiting for you when you get there. Uh, keep an eye out on our Twitter handle. Get the password to the lot. Chris, I'm just excited. Yeah, I know. Best tailgate of the year. I'm having too much fun. I've got two, I've got three open beers in front of me, I'm having a ball, but for tonight, we're going to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. This has been your Rock Pile Report. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.